We put preservatives in food. People say, well, that's to make it last longer. No, those are antibiotics to keep things from growing in the food. And when you put these things inside you, do they know to stop killing? We're putting chemicals that are to prevent microbiology from growing. In our, it's in our food and we're eating it, putting it in this microbiome. So I would say the number one thing that's probably affecting our guts, throwing this off, is chemicals. Are you struggling with bloating, gas, constipation, and fatigue, but don't know what's causing these problems? The Gut Health Reset Podcast with Dr. Anne-Marie Barter dives deep into the root causes behind these issues that start in the gut. This podcast will give you the knowledge you need to heal your gut and reset your health. Thank you so much for joining us here today on the Gut Health Reset Podcast. Today, we are talking about inflammatory bowel disease. What could be making it worse that you could be doing every day in just your general lifestyle and how to avoid some of those triggers that could be contributing to inflammatory bowel disease, how to better feed your microbiota, how to do a very strict elimination diet, starting with one food only. If you're having very terrible bowel issues and you can't even figure out with limited foods, what could be contributing to it and how to have an overall better, healthy lifestyle. Thank you so much for joining us here today on the gut health reset podcast. We're just so grateful for your support and you guys joining us week in and week out. So today my special guest is Dr. Haley. He is a passionate bone-moving chiropractor and a health coach. As a certified GAPS practitioner, he emphasizes a healthy lifestyle and a clean, nutrient-dense diet and a means to optimal physical, mental, and emotional well-being. His health principles are based on science tradition and in line with the scriptures. Dr. Haley is considered an expert in phytonutrition and superfoods and a leading expert on aloe vera. He is currently owns and operates Haley Nutrition. His products are shipped all over the world. He also continues to see patients at his private practice, Agape Chiropractic in Palmetto Beach. Hey, Dr. Haley, it's super good to have you on the podcast. I'm super excited to dive in today to everything gut related. I think this is going to be a fun conversation. Thank you, Dr. Browder. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, totally. Okay. So what got you interested in, you know, dealing with IBD conditions? You know, it's funny. Um, I have this unique product and it, it was brought to me when I was practicing chiropractic. This Rodney Stockton guy that would come in for his adjustments would bring these bottles of aloe vera and say, you got to put all your patients on this. And for a while, I thought he was kind of crazy. And, you know, he, he would say it cures cancer. You know, this was in the days he's been saying that since the 50s. And, you know, uh, he's long gone now. He'd be 110 if he was still alive. But there was no one really enforcing these things, you know, when he's been saying it throughout all the years, but I actually had a cancer patient, a stage four pancreatic patient that I had put on the aloe and we got amazing uh, results and we changed her diet and everything else. And, and after getting a lot of success, um, she actually started combining it with a medical approach. Uh, but 11 years later from stage four pancreatic cancer, she's still here cancer-free. Uh, wow. Wow. 
when Rodney had passed, this product was, it was going away. The people that were running the company weren't going to keep it um, going. It was just, uh, it was too much bad stuff happening. So I actually rescued the product and I said, man, most people are drinking this for their irritable bowel conditions. Let me talk more about that than cancer. I'm going to shut up about cancer because I don't want to get shut down. And it's generally accepted that this helps people get well with their inflammatory bowel conditions. And that started me in a path that just blew me away. The more I dug into this and realized, wow, you know, we are doing things so wrong when it comes to taking care of, to nurturing our guts. Most people in the business don't even understand what's really happening inside us. And it just blew me away. I was teaching organic chemistry in college. My mind works a little differently. And as I started studying and understanding what was really happening, uh, it just lit me up. And, you know, the rest is history. We keep on cruising through helping people get well from all kinds of problems, not just irritable bowel. Um, yes, we do help people that um, are fighting cancers, but literally everything. Okay. So let's dig into first off, you kind of lumped in um, IBD and inflammatory bowels. So when we say these conditions, what are we talking about? Would you like to, would you like to name them off on what you've seen improvements with? Yeah, let's, let's group them all together really. Um, because some of the early signs and symptoms of some kind of inflammatory bowel condition might be acid reflux. And if it gets bad, we might call it GERD and, you know, uh, gastroesophageal reflux disease. Um, and we kind of give these things names based on where they are. Acid reflux is kind of up here and Crohn's is kind of down there, mm -hmm. you know, uh, but they're really kind of the same. We might call it celiac if we think there's some kind of autoimmune response, which is kind of crazy because there's a lot of autoimmune happening in all of them. Um, but with celiac, we might think, well, these are more specific allergies to things like dairy and gluten. But if you have inflammatory bowel conditions, there's a good chance you have a sensitivity to one or the other or both. Okay. So, uh, you know, whether it's a, a dysphagia, gastritis, or a you know, there's probably a hundred different names. And we could also lump in their skin conditions because people that have skin conditions, that's probably, there's a good chance, whether it's a psoriasis and eczema, again, we have a gazillion names for inflammatory skin conditions. It's probably a relevation of what's happening inside your bowels. It's an inflammatory bowel condition that sometimes shows up in the skin too. And why wouldn't it? Because the skin's kind of a absorbing digestive organ too. You know, we doctors will give you medications through the skin. Your skin eats and drinks the, the liquid that's on the patches and, and the things that we put on our skin. And it also excretes just like the bowels. They absorb, they excrete. So I would lump them all together and say, okay, regardless of what your diagnosis or some doctor told you it was, somewhere between this opening and the other opening, this, this worm inside your body that essentially connects this opening with the other one that food goes into and comes out the other end, just like a earthworm, you know, 
we can pretty much look at them all very similar as a very similar cause and a very similar path to getting well. Mm -hmm. So you've seen, you know, a lot of things help. So what are you noticing? What resolves with these inflammatory conditions? Well, everybody is different. So Mm -hmm. it's not a one condition, one cure, but we might use a similar path to identify the things that would help us improve from these. I'll give you a perfect example. You're a chiropractor. You're Mm -hmm. well aware of the fact that constipation might be diet related, but it may also be neurological related. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think of a patient of mine 25 years ago, I'm new in practice and uh, good old Charlie comes in and I took an x-ray and I saw this crooked bone on his x-ray and I got all excited because I'm brand new and I'm going to shove that thing into place and one, I'm going to fix him today. You know, he had back pain going down his leg and he had neck pain going down his arm, but that back pain and, you know, how long have you been having that? Well, on and off for about 10 years. But now it's really bad. It's radiating down his leg. And I remember putting him on his side and getting on that bone just right and doing that side posture move. And I tell you, it sounded like sitting on a a bag of Doritos. I mean, just all kinds of noise. And his eyes just big like donuts, like, you know, almost like, what did you do? And I thought, hmm, maybe I didn't explain what was going to happen to him. But, you know. I, I, you know, did what any good chiropractor would do. That's exactly what I expected. I want to see you again tomorrow. And I remember when he came back the next day, he said, Dr. Haley, something you did. And I said, okay, well, you know, uh, that may have been a little sudden. Uh, what? Tell me more. Well, something you did. And he kind of leaned in. And the first thing he said is, I can have sex again. And I looked at his chart that where the check boxes are, where all the symptoms that people would check off that they're experiencing, you didn't indicate you had a problem in this area. Well, I didn't think it could possibly have anything to do with my back pain. How long have you been having that problem? He said, 10 years. But he continued, he said, but something you did. I said, okay, what was that look on your face? He said, well, I've also had constipation. I said, for how long? He said, 10 years. I said, that look on your face? He said, I had to go to the bathroom. So for him, it was an instant change. And he instantly said, "Uh oh, I'm in trouble. I wonder if I'm going to make it home. So when it comes to bowel conditions, in his case, his constipation was neurological. He had stress and tension that finally 10 years later got so bad that it was radiating into his leg. And it started when he you know, was raking up a pile of leaves or whatever he was doing on the job that day, mowing lawns. That was, he's in the lawn service business. Finally showed up in the form of pain. Bad enough to get care. If he had come into our offices, we could have been trying to figure out what's wrong with your diet. Are you getting enough fiber? Are you drinking enough water? Do you have enough fat to lubricate the bowels? Are you taking your probiotics or eating fermented foods? Or And we could be trying to figure out what, are you ta- chewing your food right? Are you taking digestive enzymes? And we can go through this laundry list of things that we might counsel someone on with a bowel problem 
but it's neurological. So everyone's different. We have to really figure out what's going on with that person. If we're coaching them with foods and say, you know, you have sensitivities. Okay. What's, what's a good food. I don't know what's good for me might not be, you know, good for Dr. Barter. Dr. Barter might have a sensitivity to dairy. I might do very well on dairy. Um, I don't do so well on potatoes, but that could be a super nutritious energy food for someone fighting cancer. So we have to figure out what is, what works for you? What do you have sensitivities to and start changing the diet accordingly. So people are eating foods that work for them. Mm -hmm. So with IBD, you think maybe some of the cases could be food sensitivities, um, neurological, just like in the story that you told, um, maybe not enough fiber, um, maybe not enough fat to lubricate the bowels, correct? And maybe not enough probiotics or fermented foods. So you believe kind of those are the root causes there of inflammatory bowel. Do you think there's anything no, else that's contributing? Oh, there's definitely more than that. But those are some of the things we might go through to try to help someone get better. When mm -hmm. it comes to food selections, you know, it's funny because we think of this microbiome, this delicate microflora that is everywhere, you know, between the, especially between the mouth and the anus, you know, in that tube, in that digestive tract, it's estimated that we are essentially a shell for our microbiome. And that if we had counted up our total number of cells, 80% of our total cells within this shell are actually microbiome. So we're essentially a, a, a place for them to live and exist. Now, anything that could disrupt their colonies, those cultures, and throw them into a less healthy balance. It's kind of like people, you know, we have, there's good people and there's bad people. And, you know, um, there's, there's places where there's worse riots and stuff. And, and that's, that's not good. Whereas there's peaceful, you know, uh, congregations and things that are, that where th good things are happening. Chemistry can get a little bit out of whack in certain populations that can have negative effects inside us. So chemistry made by the microbiome. So we want to keep that gut healthy and keep the good colonies well-nourished and support them. Now, what might interrupt that colony the most? I know as a chiropractor, you're going to think, you know, well, anything that's against life, right? We mm -hmm. might refer to that as an antibiotic. We might call it an antibiotic. And a lot of us don't take antibiotics intentionally, but what if you're eating conventional animal foods that are fed antibiotics as part of their diet? What else is an antibiotic? What if you're eating foods with pesticides, herbicides, fungicides? These are anti-life, against life. They're forms of antibiotics. What if you're drinking city tap water with chlorine in it? Chlorine is an antibiotic in water to keep things from growing in it. What if it's so simple as eating a processed food? We put preservatives in food. People say, well, that's to make it last longer. No, those are antibiotics to keep things from growing in the food. And when you put these things inside you, do they know to stop killing? We're putting chemicals that are to prevent microbiology from growing 
in our, it's in our food and we're eating it, putting it in this microbiome. So I would say the number one thing that's probably affecting our guts, throwing this off is chemicals. Now let's look at what's in our intestines from a different point of view. And I think this is fascinating. And let's take it outside the body first. Let's think about what makes the dirt healthy for the vegetables, the trees, the plants that we grow that we're going to eat. Where do they, where does that get its nutrients from? And if we have bad dirt, you know, the, the farmers add nutrients, they spray them with fertilizers, but that's not the way it's supposed to happen. You see, dirt is continuously recycled by life forms. And it might be bacteria and mold and fungus and protozoa that eat the smaller bacteria and things, and, and worms might eat that, and, and birds might eat the worms, and alligators might eat the birds that ate the worms. You know, everything is eating smaller stuff than itself and pooping it out from the bacteria up to the larger animals that roam the land. Sometimes we buy manure to make our gardens grow better because it's a rich soil. It's what makes dirt into rich soil, whether it's worm castings or horse manure, <laughs> you know, and it gets all mixed in the dirt turning it into this wet, spongy, full of life that's continuously turning over the old stuff and making it new again. And then the roots of these plants tap into that, big roots with smaller roots branching off, with smaller roots and hairs branching off those, absorbing the nutrients from what was excreted from all of the life that is in the rich soil. Now, if it's dead soil, it's absorbing, absorbing the nutrients that was sprayed on it, <laughs> the, the, the fertilizers. But hopefully we're eating food that was grown in real naturally rich soil. It's the same way in our bodies. Our, this, this body is a shell with a microbiome in it. I'm you know, I'm hosting all of this life force that when I eat food, it's doing the digesting. I can't even digest, you know, for the most part, we can put it in a acidic environment in the stomach, which will help break down, you know, meat, dairy, eggs, and fish isn't really going to break down vegetables. I can break down vegetables and, and fruits in my mouth by chewing it and break it down. But what we're doing in these environments is preparing it for the microbiome to consume. So now once it's broken down by chewing it really good and, and going through that acidic environment in the stomach, it moves down into the small intestines and eventually the large intestines. And then what's left over is finally eliminated. In that process, they are consuming the nutrients, breaking it down, excreting this bio sludge that just like the roots of the trees and the roots of the plants and the vegetables, the roots of the vegetation, our intestines are sinking into that, their excretions, absorbing the nutrients that they produced for us that are going to circulate in our body and give us the nutrition we need.
If we disrupt that, if we do anything to disrupt that, we're changing their ability, we're decreasing their ability to give us the nutrition that we need. If we kill them off, you know, okay, well, I guess we better start consuming some, you know, fertilizers for a human, <laughs> you know, and put something in there that the body can use. But if we think of our food as nourishing them, as preparing, we're, we're preparing something for them. Well, when it enters in here, hopefully it's going to be chemical free. Hopefully when it enters our mouth, we're going to chew it up really good. And, and you know, hopefully it gets in there and it's something they can use. And the, what are the roots of our body? Well, it goes through these intestines that have these folds in them that increase the surface area. And they have these big villi, which are like the primary roots and these micro villi perpendicular to the villi that are like the, the secondary and the hairs on them, the tertiary roots sinking into the bio sludge to absorb the nutrition that's made available by our microbiome. So many people struggle with bloating, bowel issues, brain fog, fatigue. You might not even have any gut issues, but did you know the cause of it could be food sensitivities or gut infections? What I have done is I have brought a talented functional nutritionist into my practice. We have very similar training in the nutritional world. And her name is Alexis Appleberry. She is awesome. So you can head on over to our website, alt-alt-fam-f-a-m-med-m-e-d, and have a consultation with her and schedule so that she can help you get to the root cause of your problems. Yeah, I, I think that that's really important and, and very fundamental. When, when we get into some sort of inflammatory bowel, you know, we're having a hard time absorbing. Um, and so I would say 90% of the patients that I see that have inflammatory bowel um, eat pretty clean, have, have really studied nutrition, but they're still struggling with bowel issues. Um, you know, they really work on fiber. They've worked on probiotics. A lot of them are pretty sensitive to probiotics in general. Um, they, um, have a mix of constipation diarrhea. They've really tried to do food elimination diets. You can tell they're nutrient deficient by what's going on with their nails and their skin and their hair, etc. So from that standpoint, when we're looking at, um, a patient that does have active inflammation they can yeah. absorb. What do you think is, is contributing to that process when they're already yeah. doing all the right things that you mentioned previously? Yeah. Uh, some people are definitely harder to heal than others. Mm -hmm. And the damage that is done is worse in some than others. And their immune systems are going more haywire, haywire than others. And they have more antibodies to everything to the point where their antibodies are attacking even themselves. Mm -hmm. We would call that autoimmune. So some are going to take longer to get better. Um, I do believe there are tools that we can all use to improve our diets even further. For instance, we talked about an elimination diet. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Dr. Natasha McBride with the GAPS diet has a unique approach to the elimination diet where she would eliminate everything except one food. 
bone stock soup, but not just any bone stock soup. You're not going to buy it in a carton because there's more stuff added to it and maybe even preservatives. Um, you're not even going to buy a chicken from the, you know, deli at your grocery store because it's probably not organic and, um, and even the organic chicken, hopefully you'll get a chicken from a real farm that was raised properly eating what it was supposed to. Um, so it's truly a chemical free chicken. And then you would, you know, simmer down what's left over after removing the meat and, and just that bone stock that you created yourself becomes the foundation of your diet and you consume nothing else except that. And, you know, if you wanted to add water to it or whatever, a nice clean filtered water, if you needed some more hydration during the day, but for the most part, really all you need is that bone stock soup. Now, after doing that for a day, two days, three days to the point where symptomatically you've kind of leveled off, you might add one thing to that bone stock soup. And if that causes things to go haywire again, you get rid of that because that food is not working for you. But if adding that to the bone stock doesn't make things haywire, then your immune system probably isn't going to have a problem with that, is not attacking it. Um, so that goes on your good list. And by adding one food item at a time, we can figure out what's good and what's bad. Um, and, you know, sometimes things go wrong for other reasons. So we're really looking for patterns. We might take that food out for a period of time and try it again in a month. And if the same thing happens, okay, chances are you still have a sensitivity to it or you're confirming that that food caused the problem. And she has a list of, you know, these would be the first stage of what you might add in because these are less problematic. And these are the last things you would add into this diet because more people have problems with these. Well. And then she might do that with a diet log. What's the purpose of a diet log? Well, imagine three columns and not only the time and what you're eating, but the next column, the most important one is how you're feeling. And it might be all about your stomach problems, your indigestion, your diarrhea, constipation, bloating, gas, or pain, you know, it might be all about those things, or it might be more about how you feel. Um, you know, I know that there are certain foods that I can eat that just give me great energy. I happen to do well, you know, first looking at the macronutrients, I do better on fat and protein. I don't do so great on, car on carbohydrates. My energy levels fluctuate more on carbohydrates. That doesn't mean I don't eat them, but, um, I have certain ones that work for me, but for the most part, if I have, a, a, you know, avocado and coconut and oils and things like that and, and protein and fats, I feel good. And, and this functions well, I can think clearly. If I have, you know, the worst one for me, I love potatoes and I don't care if they're, you know, fried or baked potatoes or, you know, whatever it is, I love potatoes but I crash. I'll eat them. I'll feel good. And then an hour later, I need a nap and it's only a 20 minute nap. That's all I need, but I still need it. Fat and protein doesn't do that to me. So as we're keeping this diet log, certain foods are going to make you feel good and you're going to have good energy and you're going to be alert. Other foods are going to cause pain, fatigue, digestive problems, whatever it is. 
And that is a symptom that needs to be recorded. And we're looking for patterns. Every time I eat this, this is what happens. Okay, that's not for you. And it, what's good for me is different than what's good for you. We're all different. So as we start taking advantage of tools like this, we start you know, increasing our competitive edge over the problem that we're having. Our microbiome is very much like our body weight. You know, um, once we gain too much weight and maintain that for a long period of time, it's like a new set point that we have to get past for a long time before it's easier to maintain that ideal weight. You know, we, we gain weight, we, we've been heavy for years and we finally decide we're going to do something about it. We lose a hundred pounds and it's hard and it wants to come right back. But if we can keep it off for a period of years, it gets easier and our body starts adapting to this new set point. Our microbiome is very much like that. Once it's been disrupted, it wants to keep on going back to the disrupted microbiome where the, you know, more pathological bacteria uh, takes over, inhabits our microbiome. But if we can get it set right long enough, it's easier for that to maintain the healthy microbiome. And we would, you know, continue forever to continue to nourish that healthy microbiome. And so you mentioned that, you know, the microbiome is really powerful in helping us, you know, be maybe at the right weight, or it helps us, you know, it, it does help us with some of this metabolic disease, right? Everything, everything, you know, it is so responsible for the chemistry in our body. And if we think about the blood flowing through our veins and the chemistry that's in it, if we start thinking about that as our nutrition, and we realize that that's a result of what we eat, what the microbiome does with it, but it's also a result of our exercise and our sleep patterns and the thoughts that we have. All of these things change our chemistry. And the more that we do that is good for that, the better. Um, with the probably the top one probably being the things we eat and, and what the microbiome does with it. And the easiest way to understand the relationship between the chemistry in your gut and how it affects everything, including the way your mind works. Um, we could, you know, we could go out and have a couple cocktails and within a few minutes as we're, you know, depending on how strong that cocktail is, if you like, you know, scotch or something like that, and you, you know, drink a couple shots down within minutes, the function of your brain is changing. That is chemistry that went through the gut into the bloodstream. That's how much it affects us. As the microbiome is making this chemistry in our blood, it's not only about how our body works, but also how our minds work. It's everything. And yes, it's going to affect things like um, addictions, and, and uh, you know, mental health issues, um, you know, are, are you happy or depressed? You know, that chemistry, that blood chemistry, the nutrition in your blood is under the influence of all of these things, including your microbiome. So we don't know much about specific gut bugs and what they do of the good gut bugs. We're starting to study those. 
Um, have you seen any research on some of the good gut bugs, like what acromancia is doing, fusobacterium, et cetera, like what they're doing in supporting the microbiome and how that's helping us overall, if we have that species or that colony of gut bugs? Yeah, I'm not so familiar with the um, species as other people are, um, but from a practical standpoint, yeah, I that's fine. do I do realize that things like, um, you know, certain bacillus species, for instance, sure. are going to survive the stomach acidity and actually populate our gut and have an effect. I also realize that a lot of the species that we're putting in our mouths are really being killed in that acidic environment in our stomach, which doesn't mean they're bad because they still are creating an environment, you know, for instance, um, for me, I, I do well on dairy. I like dairy. In fact, um, my family is now making a two and a half gallon batch of yogurt once a week. Now, mm -hmm. some people might go, oh, you're, you consume dairy. Dairy is horrible. Isn't it horrible? Um, you know, there's sure there's debate For on some that. Some people, yeah. So other but people, not as bad. I super culture it. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's supposed to be a 12 hour batch. I like going about 18 hours. Um, and when you're culturing something, the time extra at the end is much more powerful than the time at the beginning, you know, because uh, the bacteria in early on, imagine you started with one bacteria that doubled the two that doubled the four, eight, 16, 32, 64, all those doublings really aren't amounting to much. Um, and they double every so many minutes when you get to the end and you're doubling billions and you're going from 1 billion to 2 to 4 to 8 to 16, 32, 64, 128 billion. So the time at the end is more significant. And they're consuming a lot of the things that your body might have a hard time with. And in doing that, they're also creating all kinds of enzymes and pH differences and changes in the food that actually create a better environment for your microbiome. So it, it consuming that I might not be benefiting from those specific strains of bacteria directly in populating my gut because they might get killed off in my stomach acids, mm -hmm. but they are creating a pre-digested food that can better be utilized by my microbiome. So one of the really good things that you do on a daily basis is you make your own yogurt. What else can people do to really help their own microbiota? Yeah, um, the, really, if you if you go back to that soil example and think mm -hmm. about the fact that, you know, just like farmers spray the fields with pesticides, herbicides and fungicides, killing the soil. Mm -hmm. And now they have to add fertilizers. Start thinking about the same way. What are you doing to your soil? And it could be everything from, you know, am I eating processed foods? Am I eating animal foods that's been fed chemistry where I'm now getting that chemistry? Because all that chemistry is going to affect that microbiome. If we start looking at our food more of, is this going to be good for me, for my microbiome? Or is it going to, is it for them or is it against them? That's the biggest thing we can do. And what else can I do? Can chewing your food, you know, if we would just slow down and chew our food and prepare it for the microbiome. Mm -hmm. So those, those choices about how you are feeding that, that, that those colonies within you, that's, that's everything. 
So I actually had an interesting comment the other day. Um, a patient of mine, this was pretty rare. Most people come in and they're like, I'm on this diet, I'm doing this, I'm doing all these things. And so I generally don't have to address diet much in my office, except for elimination type diets and then reincorporation. But most people are pretty well educated on diets. But this was a really interesting comment. Um, a fella said, well, it's at the grocery store. So it must be good for me. And I said, <laughs> oh, really? And he's, I said, so you think, I just want to make sure I understand this. You think everything at the grocery store is good for you? up and down all the aisles. Yeah. The FDA approved it. You know, and, and I'm not, and I was like, at- that's super interesting, but I think that's a really important point that I've lost sight of. And I was like, Holy cow, I've never even thought that way. But I think that that's an interesting point that I'd like to kind of just tackle because that's a legitimate question. Right. I yeah. mean, I think at, at the end of the day, that's a pretty legitimate question. Yeah, we've been brainwashed. We've all been brainwashed. And I'm, I'm, I'm laughing not at your patient, but I'm laughing at, uh, I remember someone that wouldn't eat fruit off a tree in my yard because it wasn't purchased at a grocery store. Because we've been brought up just to think, well, that's where food comes from. And we've been programmed, you know, by programs, what, you know, they call them TV programs. I remember a little research project I did about 20 years ago. And it kind of, well, actually 25 years ago, and it wasn't real research, but it was watching TV and documenting commercials. And what I realized is there's about, you know, five or six sets of commercials every hour of TV. And they said that the average American watches like 20 or 25 hours of TV a week. But I thought, well, let's do some simple math. And let's just say there was, you know, five sets of commercial an hour, and we only watched 10 hours of you know, commercials per week. And each set of commercials had, you know, one drug ad or one food advertisement. And it's easier to demonstrate this with drugs because, you know, we could always go back to the old jingles and I could ask you and say, Dr. Barter, how do you spell relief? And people are going to remember R-O-L-A-I-D-S, even though they haven't heard that in years because it's been programmed into them. Or, um, you know, what would you say that nighttime sniffling, coughing, sneezing, stuffy head fever so you can rest medicine is, you know, and, and people are going to rattle off these names because they've been programmed into them. Mm. You know, if you think about it, uh, one drug commercial, uh, five times an hour, that's five times 10 hours is 50 a week. And for simple math, if there were only 50 weeks in, in a year, that's 2,500 in a, a year or, or, you know, multiply that by 10 years. And then how many decades have you been here? 100,000 programming drug commercials or grocery com- commercials or fast food commercials. You know, we are programmed to believe that that is where food comes from. And it's not. And, mm-hmm. you know, if the FDA approves it, Um, it doesn't mean it's good for you. It means it's not going to instantly kill you, you know, but what we don't account, and it's based on um, research that was done by, you know, people with their own interests that are picking and choosing what to present, cherry picking, you know, what they need to present to get something passed through. We don't know what causes cancer, but we know that 
things cumulatively, like radiation, we try to minimize radiation. When you take x-rays, you have a little badge that, you know, senses the radiation and, and you're only allowed so much of that because it's cumulative and we know that it causes cancer. Well, how do you, how does the FDA measure whether or not the food is causing cancer based on what's in it? You can't, it takes years of accumulation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think there's a lot there. Um, I, I think just, I want to use that as a simple example and we could go on and on on that, but I want to kind of go back about how people can keep themselves healthy. And so what I heard you say is, Hey, grass fed, grass finished meat, see what you feel good on. Do you feel good on fats? Do you feel good on protein? Do you feel good on carbohydrates? Check an elimination diet, see how you feel when you start to incorporate these foods. If you've had trouble on elimination diets in the past, Hey, start with some, some, some stock and slowly go from there and not just any stock. There are certain types of stock. Make sure you're chewing your food. If you can tolerate yogurt, you could do it super cultured and definitely everything needs to be organic. And we're really programmed the wrong way to see food, you know? So are there any other points that we're missing on really keeping a good healthy gut, healthy micro. And I think a water filter is the other thing that I left out there um, just to make sure. And I think we think we take some of these things for granted as I'm like rattling them off and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah this is what I've done forever. I'm like, yeah, this is what I've done forever. But I think we take these things for granted, you know, when someone comes in and I'm like, you need a water filter. And they're like, do I, you know, I think I think so going through these things is, is very important. So is there anything that I really missed to keep a good, healthy microbiota? I, I, I think you are doing a, I think we talked a lot and really provided your audience <laughs> they with did, uh, yes. maybe even a slightly different perspective mm -hmm. of food because we think we're getting the nutrients from that. But I think from the, you know, just that perspective of, of understanding the soil in your intestines. I think that's a new perspective. Um, we could talk about the fact that some foods are more healing than others. Mm -hmm. Some foods are more inflammatory. Some are more anti-inflammatory and there's omega-3 and there's omega-6s. And um, so there's definitely more to it, but the foundation is the same. You know, you're feeding that microbiome and uh, you know, we, uh, my company has aloe vera. Uh, that is something that tends to speed up healing. Um, some companies have, uh, the probiotics that help nurture the environment. Some companies, uh, have, um, enzymes that help break down the food and further digest it, you know, uh, as it's moving along. So there are other things that can be added to help facilitate this. Um, but really just the perspective of, let me feed the microbiome. Let awesome. me take care of, let me take care of those little bugs. Like they're my own family because it's they're they're more they're they're more important they're they are you you know you have to take care of yourself mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so where can people find your product if they're interested in purchasing it um haleynutrition.com and that's also a great place to get connected to the social media the youtube channel and everything there's icons on the bottom of the website well awesome well thank you for being here and sharing all your knowledge about bowel issues, right? It's so fun to say. Um, so anyway, really, it was a pleasure having you today. Dr. Barter, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely.
And thank you everybody for listening. We love your support. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe, say hello, and let us know what you want to hear more of. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Gut Health Reset Podcast. Please make sure you subscribe, leave a rating and a review so more people can hear about the podcast. And hey, take a screenshot of this episode and tag Dr. Anne-Marie on Instagram or Facebook at Dr. Anne-Marie Barter. And for more resources, just visit DrAnneMarieBarter.com.